0: What's going on, freaks? This is obviously a bonus episode, and it is a bonus episode from the Labeled Podcast, which is another one I've been doing. It's not new in that I've been doing the Labeled Podcast now for, I don't know, I think it's been over four years I've been doing that. Uh, And it's really just an extension of me being interested and curious about the dynamics of Bands as you know Organic groups that have their own DIY forms of leadership And problem solving And I'm always curious about that It's just kind of something I study and you know, what's the history of these bands? What makes them last or not last? What's the interesting stories? Who are these characters? That's the kind of thing I do there. And we're, we do a lot of stuff that's in this kind of world from Emory, Songs and Stories, Bad Christian. Uh, we talk about faith and stuff like that. This episode is with Garrett from Silent Planet, who's a fascinating and philosophical kind of guy. So I get to do conversations like that over there that I don't really get to do here. It scratches some itch. Uh, That we used to get on Bad Christian That isn't really here So maybe you'll like it if you haven't checked out Labeled or hadn't checked it out in a little while Um, It's also expanded beyond just Tooth and Nail, I had uh, Chris from Saves the Day, the singer from Saves the Day on A couple of weeks ago, that was a good one Um, You know, expanded Beyond just the Tooth and Nail world But it's the same kind of idea, same study So I hope you like this episode Silent Planet has a new record out Uh, it's very good. It just came out and I think you will like it. Uh, hope you enjoy this conversation with Garrett and I, and, uh, yeah, appreciate it.
1: I put my hand back on my head and looked at my hand and it was like the shining, just like pure red. And then I realized like, oh my God, I'm like bleeding profusely out of my head. And then i start started like shaking uh, because it's cold, I think. And I'm in my underwear. It's like 18 degrees. And, uh, I'm seeing lights of, like, green and blue and yellow and purple.
0: Welcome back to Labeled. I'm your host, Matt Carter, and today I'm joined by Garrett Russell of Silent Planet. And we discuss their terrible... Wyoming van accident, how that's impacted his thinking, and how his spiritual beliefs have continued to change and evolve, how that led to the development of their new album Super Bloom, which is awesome, and comes out Friday, November 3rd. Several of those tracks, like Anti-Matter, are already out, and becoming some of their biggest songs to date. So Garrett and I discuss all kind of stuff, um, including the nature of being in a band in its second decade. So Silent Planet's doing great, going strong, and I always enjoy getting the opportunity to interact with Garrett so check it out join the labeled Facebook group you can find it over there it's a fun and good place so just find it on Facebook groups and we'll see you over there alright let's do it first of all it's great to talk to you again because yeah. I don't feel that I have to cover the whole background of the band and all these other stuff. We can really jump in with what is going on now. And the easiest way to do that, obviously, is start with this accident that you guys had. I don't yeah. really know the story of it. Um, so let's just start there. And, and, you know, since last time I saw you here on the podcast, I saw at Furnace Fest and then, which your set was great. You, you
1: played after you. You were the band after us. Yeah. That was uh, yeah. That was an honor to be like, man, like we, you know, watching you guys rock out and being like, we were on that stage 20 minutes ago. That was, that was really cool for us. You know, I, have I've said this on your podcast before, but your, your music, specifically the question, like I've probably, I'm probably in the top 1.01% of people, as far as how many times I've listened to the question. The crazy thing is that that record is what, 2005, Mm -hmm. that record holds up really well. Like you listen to that and you listen to like stuff that like rise records bands are coming out now. And I'm like, question's still better, dude. Like, it's crazy. You know, like how, how, um, even the quality, like the recording quality, the whole thing was just like, it's, it's crazy that the, and I I know y'all have made a lot of great stuff and a lot of music past the question, but I just, um, I don't, do you guys ever talk about that? Like, like, I, I feel like it's underrated. Like I show people the question who didn't, Encounter it. um Usually, I find like you know, because it came back it came through like the the Christian alt scene, uh, you know, back then, and a lot of people, especially I think that weren't at all involved with any for- sort of faith or whatever, might have missed that record. And I've shown a lot of people that record, and they're always like, "What? Like you know?" I mean, think about it. if you love like Panic at the Disco or you know other like seminal records at that time, people hear the question and they're like, "I can't believe I missed that!" Like. I feel like it's got to be in. And now that we're so far back from it, I look at it as like one of the most underrated records. I well,
0: heard. I appreciate that. I think it um gets to well. First of all, it was just really focused. It's like that's just all the focus that that we had of some experience and youth and focus all converging at the right time yeah. to have the right sound in the right year with the right everything. So it just, it was a ton of focus. It happened very fast and it sounds like exactly something. So it has a very clear identity. Um, But it, uh, but it's, is a cool, it's cool the, you know, the compliment of holds up is that mean that's the real one, I think in the end, it's like, you you know, so I like holds up regardless how big it ever got. And the fact that as early as it is, you know it might have been bigger if it came out later but nonetheless that means it had more opportunity it to maybe been. be influential or feel more original from my point of view so Very i don't have any complaints about i don't call it it's, underrated you know i don't call it that i call it yeah great success no,
1: sure. <laughs> it's one it's one of those it's one of the only records that um uh, like I grew up listening to a certain set of music, and our drummer Alex grew up listening to a certain set of music. And for the most part, we grew up with like just we just have different influences. And the question is like the one thing that um comes up over and over again where we both like that. I think that and Death Cab are like the two things we we both um are like oh you also like that uh, you know um, well yeah listen to it a lot I, I appreciate
0: that. But your Furnace Fest uh, set was good. I really enjoyed that one. That was a Thank that you. was a, That was a great no, experience. It was
1: that, that was a fun one for us. It was cool. It was uh we we, we had been on tour with Motionless and White for a few weeks. And uh when they're 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 a cool band, really nice people, but um when you tour with a band that's like this kind of like heavily like goth thing, um their fans just kind of sit there and like stare at uh-huh. you, waiting for the dude from Motionless and White to walk on stage so they can like I mean, literally, like they've been waiting all year to see Motionless and White. So I've learned like, you couldn't take it personally. It's just like you're not Motionless and White. Yeah, they've been waiting all year to see Motionless and White, and they're so close that they like can't even hear you or yeah, see can't you. Can't even
0: hear see you. <laughs> they're
1: just like they're, they're like preparing themselves, and and, and so uh, we were on that tour, and then we played Furnace Fest with y'all, and uh, that was really cool because, uh, um. it it felt like people were there to see us and there to see you and it was like oh it's it's cool that you know our our bands haven't really crossed paths that much but at furnace fest is a place for both like i guess like this us being like a newer solid state thing and y'all you know like it just people were there for for like us doing whatever we do and because our bands are pretty different but um, there's also I think when you dig in, especially like lyrically, there's probably some crossover. Oh, yeah. Stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody likes multiple kinds of music and that yeah. the, these types are, are very interrelated. And, and you are not we, a new band. I mean, you're obviously an old band, too. Now, I mean, you're an old band. You, you know, you get...
1: it's funny because I call myself a new band whenever I talk to someone who's like to me, like you guys are like historic, like to like as far as like the foundation of of what I've been listening to my whole life. But yeah, it is weird to be like, yeah, we're putting out our fifth record, and uh-huh. I've been doing this since '09. <laughs> it's it's not new, yeah. but it's like it feels new sometimes in context. <laughs>
0: well, the ten when you get at ten year stuff, you go, oh, wait a minute, this is like because nobody gets into a band and thinks in decades. That's just not how it goes, you know. Like when you yeah. join or start a band, you're not thinking about decades. It, uh, it no. almost no band that ever formed envisioned themselves. 10 plus years still i mean some people think that way but for the most part oh yeah and so once you hit the 10 year of anything formation anniversary of this or that or whatever releases i mean it's just this whole other you know thing that nobody really anticipated and then we've been through a 10 you know, a decade of that, and then you see the 20s, and, then, you know, it's like, okay, now now there's a whole different view of looking at old and young and sustainable yeah, or it, long-term it or historical. All that stuff kind of comes into play, which is very cool. But to be active in the post-single-decade dec- achievement should be a higher – like, how does that not in some ways mean more than gold record? Or, like, how is isn't there a right. – like, I mean, of course, you know, it's different, but it's like at, being active – with the fan base every 10
1: years is a big,
0: <laughs> you should also, get up it, something it, it, like the YouTube plaque or whatever you
1: people get. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's yeah, I know. I totally agree. Like the numbers things weird, like for, for, for instance, our band was on, um, on Spotify. Um, we, we, we like we're sitting around like 120 K monthly listeners or something and then we had a song do pretty well this year, and and get on playlists, and now antimatter, it's like anti matter, right? Anti matter. And now we're sitting a little bit shy of 500k. And it's like, our band's not literally three times bigger. Like, when w- when we go play shows, it's not like, you know, we've gone from, hey, there's like four or five hundred people a show to, you know, now there's fifteen, sixteen hundred people. And so the number thing is very deceiving. So I, I agree. I, I think that the, also, if you're able to stick around as a band for a long time, that says something about you. I think that says something about everyone in the band, assuming the band's not like a revolving door of members it says a lot about, I think the community and the friendship, because like, you obviously had to like make sacrifices and, and compromise and, and and do all the things that go into relationships, whether you know, you know, anyone who's married, I- I'm not married, but my friends are all married. And, and I'm sure anyone who's married knows what I mean by like, if you're going to stick around with anybody and continue to like do life side by side with yeah. them for a decade, that means like you so many times learned how to like be selfless, I think. Um, Cause if everybody's just, kind of trying to That's guess the right, same right. thing all the time. There's just no way that it's the, that you're going to 10 years later have people still playing music together.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it's, um, you know, if you measure something like streams or numbers or sales, those are, those are very real things. But the thing that the band does is create experience in real life with people and places. So the, yeah. like the amount of those things that happen, like how many people, had shared experience across time with the yeah. music. Like I play the guitar, that's my role, but it's a community activity where a people connect and have shared experience over time. And, you know, those that's what seems like should be measured is the amount of that occurring. That would yes. be a cool thing to more index or measure or recognize. But because it, it, it take it's harder in some ways, it's hard to write a hit song. i get the big time, or whatever, of course. But Like you said, staying together relationally is pretty hard. If you think about marriages lasting ten years, hard, two people. Hard, yeah. So then, and if you think about when they look at uh, startups co- companies, like, oh, you have a co-founder, and now this startup, and the you got two co-founders, that makes it way harder because they even talk about in startups how like three co-founders is can be a nightmare or whatever. And when do oh, they I ever have imagine. six co-founders on some company and think they're going to maintain a close relationship, you know, and maintain that? It's like a disaster. It doesn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: it's not easy. You know, cool. How could you be in marriage with five people or four people and make it?
1: I think b- bands are a lot like a two person co-founder startup I find. Cause almost every band I encounter is like two main creatives that like d- collab on everything. Um, and I think the same has been, um, yeah, I, it's been, you know, for, for a lot, most of silent planet, there's been someone who primarily figures out the musical direction. And then I like try to like match it lyrically and, 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 um, conceptually, you know? Um, and yeah, so I, that's interesting. I haven't really thought about it like a startup, but bands sure are businesses, uh, as we both know. But so. even,
0: th- but it's their handicap startups because startups at least can just change what they do to try to, you know, get money and stuff. Like that's all they do. It's like true. that would be way easier. Yeah. If you could just like, oh, this, oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're do-. It's not, you're actually doing something that you're bound to artistically that you can't really get out of. Like you can only do what you can do, that what comes out of you, and you have to do it. Right. You have to do it. The require the ethical requirements are more than a business trying to make money. Yeah. You ha you're bound by many other things that aren't that. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. much harder than a startup and you have to keep more partners for longer with almost no money. And that's a that's a challenge. <laughs> I mean it really oh, yeah. is. I know
1: it is. It, it it is for sure. It's it's um it's it's I, I think bands are becoming more like startups over time. That's my theory. Uh like, you know, us playing like dive bars for like four years to like nobody and house shows and stuff Um, from about, you know, 2012 to 2016, Um, uh, playing just like small house shows mostly and stuff. It was, it was like that, that would be a pretty bad business model <laughs> for like, if you're thinking of it like a business or a startup, we were, right. Um, but, but that was like the norm. And I, I know you guys did that a lot too, just like playing anywhere you could forever. And, and then of course you cross a threshold where you, it does become more like a business and like, um, but, but you know, a lot of newer bands, like they just start out and it's just content. Just like, just like we're going to post on TikTok every day. We're going to like post on it. It's like, they, they just make content. They hope that the algorithm blesses them that they like, they, they, they right. you know, get oh, a yeah. bunch of traction the, the and, and then they don't something. really tour with like the big overhead and all that stuff until, You know, until there's like fans waiting for them and stuff, which which from a financial level is a lot probably safer and smarter.
0: Well, I mean, but that doesn't necessarily if you can get enough numbers on algorithm blessing, as you put it, then you eventually can sell hundreds or thousands of tickets as some smaller function of the big, crazy number, you know, exponential number. But that still doesn't necessarily create a fan base over time that is often possible for you those people that are buying those tickets to not be interested or invested but they didn't come play watching you play in the small clubs or all the connect that they may have just been served this one sound that they like from this one creator that they think is good right now and it's not connected on that level so I'm curious to see how people that have success this is really the biggest question to me is how could you find algorithmic success and be paired is cause here's what's good about the algorithm. It pairs you with audiences that didn't know about you, that would like you, that will like you, that yeah. do like you. So that really means something. Cause how could you discover this audience otherwise without all the, you know, all that technology that, that figures it out. And so, yeah, but once true. it does, can those people then turn into an, uh, community of their can they will they ever have a culture of what it's like to be a fan of that's true like what is fanship of content creator of when does it get interconnected with itself like the network effects of that versus well these are all the kids are going to hardcore shows in the same local scene and the same festivals and it's like that's a shared thing that that exists that continues itself on in a way that that spike in numbers might even sell a theater this year but does it really create a fan base long-term yeah and what is that what's the
1: culture and i think yeah a lot of people like you know they'll have one song go viral or something but is that enough to get people to like drive to a venue and like pay money and like sit through the set and buy the merch for like one huge song you know and so yeah it, it yeah it's, but still, you want the huge song like
0: antimatter's big, right? So that's what is that? Are you do yeah. you feel like you maybe aren't going to be able to convert what you should from that, or like what like or or does it, do you think it does grow the baseline too at least, but maybe not proportionally?
1: Yeah, I think if I had to guess, I think antimatter will bring in an additional like ten or twenty percent of people, maybe to shows, you know. So I I do think we'll see it grow. What else can do that? Thankfully, we have, um, yeah, there's a a core audience there, um, which I'm thankful for because uh, I think um, a a lot of people, I think that heard Antimatter was like, oh, like, you know, this band's like this, like, they might have thought our whole catalog was like cyberpunk type type metal or whatever. Like, that's the word I, I... We didn't really write it thinking the word cyberpunk, but I saw that come up a million times just because of the type of synth that we used on that song. It's different and sounding. I, I think we're quite eclectic. Like, I think if you go throughout our catalog, you'll hear a lot of different stuff. um Not saying we're not, you know, as eclectic as... Uh, like Radiohead or something. But I, I think that we, we we definitely mix it up a lot. And, and um, I think we stand behind everything that we've done. So like when someone sees us live, they'll still hear us playing songs that we wrote a decade ago and some new stuff because, um, we, you know, we like trying different things and what we're not like. Um, but that being said, um, I, I, I do think that you'll see a progression if you go from album to album. And I, I think this new record that we have um, is that, Anyways, I, I, I will get, answer your question about the van because you asked about the van. Yeah, no, I know, but I want like,
0: to talk about antimatter too. So that kind of got here. That's well, all. And it, yeah, so. it
1: all, it all goes hand in hand. So van Rec, um, we had done like a two and a half week tour in New Zealand, and Australia. And, uh, we, we flew back. Um, we had a tour kicking off right away, um, supporting a band called The Plot and You. The first show was in Denver, um, and, uh, so we, we basically just, yeah, got back to the States, got a little bit of sleep, tried to change time zones, play the That's show in this Denver. year or last year. Uh, this was last year. Last year um, right, the show in Denver was November, uh, 2nd of, uh, 2022. Okay. Uh, we so played about a year show. ago. Yeah. A year, okay. a year ago. And then on, um, we were on en route to the next day. this there was a show in Salt Lake city. I had driven like five or six hours. Um, it was starting to snow. Um, I uh, pulled over uh, uh, to sleep. Someone else took over. Um, I remember I uh, took my pants off and my shirt off, and I climbed into the bunk. And like five minutes later, I heard the driver screaming, "Guys, guys, guys, guys!" Oh, and then um, I felt I could feel the van like uh, turning. Like we were going like sixty, but I could feel us like literally spinning. Rotate. I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm. I think I'm pretty sure. That we did like a whole 360 spin and then flipped off the road. Um, my first thought uh was damn it, I just took my pants off. <laughs> um because I, I knew we were probably going down. Um I I think I was more awake than anyone else. I think some of the other guys might have also heard that, but I was like, I hadn't gone to sleep yet. So I was like quite awake. And um uh <clears throat> so I, we, we had these little coffin bunks, these little metal, like, um, uh, and they're like, it's a three bunker. So it's, it slept six people, like two on the bottom, two in the middle, two in the top. And, uh, there's a little divide between the bunks in the middle, like a little alleyway, really thin alleyway. Like you could barely, if you're sideways, <laughs> yeah, you can barely, it. fit, you, you couldn't walk through it shoulder to shoulder. Cause this is a, a Ford transit van. It's not like as wide as like a. You know bandwagon or anything um and uh so i i'd always kind of thought in my head i'm like if i know the van's gonna flip i'm gonna jump to the bottom of the van just basic survival because my bunk was in the middle which meant it was pressed against the windows of, of the ford transit and um i didn't want to uh um i, I always just kind of thought like i don't know if we flip if i go out the window then I'll like die either flying out the window or I'll go out the window and get crushed by the vehicle rolling over me. So I dove to the middle of the alley bunk. While uh, you
0: were already flipping before the flipping.
1: While I I felt us going down uh, or not going down. I felt us like spinning and it was, I, I don't, yeah. Like I didn't know exactly what was about to happen, but I, I knew we were losing control of the vehicle and so I dove for like the bottom. Turns out that was the wrong decision. Um my bandmates all just had stayed in their bunks, which of course if you're on the bottom bunk or the top bunk, you that's definitely the logical option is just stay in your bunk anyways. Um and um Alex, our drummer who was also in the middle, he he had stayed. And so I um I had dove out of the 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 bunk and everyone else when we flipped basically just went like like just kind of like went like kind of hit the top of the yep. little coffin, which, I mean, keep in mind this, it's not even a, like a foot. Like if you're laying on your back and you're looking up the top of the bunks, just like a foot above you. So that, that I ended up being a good thing that they're coffin bunks, which is kind of ironic. Now that I think about it, um, it worked out that they were in coffins because, uh, they couldn't, there just wasn't that much movement. You know, they just right. kind of like went up, they, they were contained within these little cells and, uh, And I, however, because I had dove out of my bunk thinking I would maybe be a good decision. It was a bad decision. I flew across like from the very back of the transit. And this was like the extended one. So they're fairly long vehicles. Um, I flew from the back to the front of the vehicle. Um, I remember hearing like a a bonk like on my head and then everything, you know, I just went black. Um, And I woke up and everyone was already like saying, Hey, are you okay? Like everyone's yelling out to each other. The uh, the driver is upside down, but like buckled into his seat. Um, and everyone else, uh, was like crawling out of their bunks and uh, we couldn't find our drummer, Alex. So I immediately stu- like when I knew everyone else was there, except for Alex, I immediately thought, Oh my God, he went out the other window and, um, I, pres- I was in my underwear and it was like, 18 degrees and we were like shivering but i like all i could think about was like find alex and it that was the the most horrifying um you know minute of my life i don't know two minutes however however long i was looking for the time is
0: very hard to judge in
1: that kind of situation yeah yeah, like i had just had a concussion too i guess Uh, but i i was terrified that alex might be um that he might be dead or something um and i was just like uh i was just kind of losing my mind i was like literally like just like our our van just had just a pile of crap everywhere and i was like ripping through a pile of stuff like terrified that i was about to see alex's face like i I mean i was like really that's all i could think about and 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 then um and then someone was like look over there and and you could kind of see it was like out of a movie like outside of like the the door I think had been like ripped open from the flip. And you could see like out the door up on the up on the highway. We were like down in an embankment. You could see Alex in a driver's in the in the passenger seat of like some dude's truck. And um I just remember the relief washing over me. Like I was like, oh my God, he's alive. And then I'm like, how did he get in someone's truck over there? And that's when I realized I must have been knocked out for a little bit because someone had some good Samaritan had like pulled over, ran down in, um, Alex, you could see Alex like in the window. Cause he's in the wind. And so some guy had actually pulled him through the window of oh, wow. the, 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 the middle window of, of like out of his bunk through the window and, um, brought him to the truck. And I was, um, just like, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Cause from there, like everything else seemed it it, like everything's just i i felt so lucky i i guess ever since then i felt so thankful whenever i think about the crash that i I don't even have like dark feelings about it um i i do think that it's changed us as far as like we've talked about this as a band i think anytime that we're in like the backseat of someone's car and they're like driving kind of erratically or like one of my best friends um uh, he's kind of like a late breaker, and he kind of like l- rides people's bumpers and and uh, stuff like that. And um, I uh, I, I I find it hard to be in my that particular friend's car now because um, I so I, I think there's some some residual stuff for sure. You know, um, how but, long
0: were you out? Do you know? I mean, what, I what was? I it? don't
1: know. I, I do my understanding is the guy really quickly I think the guy could see our like I think the guy had already was like ready to hop out of his car because he saw the whole thing happen and um I, I should mention about the crash something that saved our lives is we have like a we had a heavy ass trailer like a, a big dual axle trailer um like I'm sure your band uses um big trailer and that probably saved our lives because. When you look at the the crash site, um, you can see that like at some point, like an axle ripped off of the trailer and and the trailer started to drag, which I think severely slowed the momentum of the van. So when we flipped, we didn't like roll several times. We just like um, and by the way, I can still remember the sound of us like going sideways to where it, like hit the ground and you could hear that's like a sled like us like sliding down the snow i can still i can still hear the Uh sound of going down the snow and then when it flipped again is when it like shot me across the van and, and, and i just heard bonk and so where i woke up um uh my head hurt and my 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 back was like numb and um I hadn't, like I said, I was just kind of th- wondering where Alex was. And then I remember around the time we saw Alex, I, I put my hand back on my head and looked at my hand and it was like the shining, just like pure red. And then I realized like, Oh my God, I'm like bleeding profusely out of my head. And, um, and then I, and then I started like shaking, uh, cause it's cold, I think. And I'm in my underwear, it's like 18 degrees. And, uh, there's, um, i am seeing lights of like green and blue and yellow and purple, like, kind of like fluorescent like kind of tv lights when the TV's bugging out like on my peripherals and um i i called my mom and i was like hey mom we got in a wreck i was lucky to have reception we were in like the middle of nowhere wyoming um
0: you know my mom told her what had
1: happened yeah off the 80 um uh called my mom told her what had happened um and uh then I I remember I actually tweeted I think and I what was going through my head at that point like when I called my mom and tweeted is like it it sounds like it sounds like so like almost like dramatic now but like I definitely was bleeding there's enough blood coming out of my head that like it I, I don't know I just had never seen a ton of blood come out of me and I thought like Oh, like, is this like the amount that like people have like, you know, a few minutes before they die and, they, and then they like go unconscious because they've lost too much blood or something. And so I think I just wanted to like say some stuff and call some people. Um, looking back, that wasn't the case. I, I wasn't dying. I, I was bleeding uh, pretty profusely. And and uh, one of our guys, it's actually kind of crazy. Um, He was filling in for us on base at the time. His name's Nick. Um and he grabbed a bunch of like shirts and was like pressing it on my head. But I mean, it was literally soaking through shirts. Like he was going through different things he could find in the van to like press it on my head. And, um, uh, I, I was definitely telling the guys, I'm like, I'm bleeding a lot. I'm seeing, th- I was trying to just tell them my symptoms so that like, if a first responder came and asked, they could tell him exactly what had happened. But, um, yeah, I, and it's crazy. Cause looking back, like looking at that like I, I think a lot about how this guy Nick who was just filling in for us was like trying to stem the bleeding in my head and that's kind of you know when, when um, our, our our member who's been in the band for a long time Thomas told us that he was gonna you know um, leave the band to, to be a family man full-time which is awesome um, it made so much it, I remember Nick at one point being like we told him like, I think you should be in this band. And he was like, Oh wow. Really? And I, I I went back to that moment in my life. I'm like, dude, you literally like, we're trying to like help me survive in this van. Like you're part of this band, whether you like it or not. Kind of like, we we've been through this, this bonding, semi-traumatic experience kind of. And, uh, he, um, he's such an amazing dude and, uh, and, uh, such a gift to have him uh, with us. Uh, but yeah, the, um, the whole, the whole, uh, the first responder came and, and then like, I was like right there and he looked at it and he was like, yeah, like, he's like, you'll be fine. And that was when I realized like, okay, it's, it's a lot of blood, but it's just because it's a head wound and head heads bleed a ton. And I, I had never, I never had like really split my head open anywhere. Um, and it wasn't that, it was pretty deep, but it, it, it only, it only took, is either like three or five. I forget. I think it was like five staples. Um, to staple it up um but yeah so so they take me in an ambulance to a hospital um uh they did some brain scans there was no brain trauma um that's funny the lasting injury is actually my back so so my back has never been the same since then and uh i mean if if i stretch a lot and i'm smart about like the chairs i sit in i'm like usually pretty good to go um definitely uh a lot of people including our old bassist thomas who was hit by a car in 2012 and set a world record that's a whole different story um or sorry 2014 uh he set like a world record for how far a human can survive getting hit by a car and being projected what's the distance it was was, um my understanding it was seven like 65 or 70 yards it's it's freakish like literally it it was partially because he was on a bike it like he was on a bike going pretty fast and then a drunk driver hit him from behind going 55 and basically just like launched he him launched like him. from the butt, launched him. Um he, he's his whole body's filled with metal rods. Um like he he the pain that he deals with every day is like um I I can't even fathom it, but having toured with that guy for like eight nine, eight or nine years after that van wreck. Um, yeah. It's pretty amazing. And I'm honestly glad that he's kind of retired from touring. Cause if he was in that van, when we flipped and wrecked, I feel like he would probably be paralyzed or something like those, those rods and stuff. Like it's, it's a rough, that's a whole thing. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and so like, I, I feel pretty grateful that like, I'm first of all, I'm the only person with a lasting like injury from the wreck and my injury isn't too insane. Um, and I, you know, I'm still working on getting health care. And uh if I get health care, I'm gonna take some some steps like to try to figure out how to get this situation better. Um, but yeah, thankfully there was no brain trauma. Um and uh immediately, you know, our our team and and some friends helped us put together a GoFundMe and uh that was helped us to keep us on the road. We actually only missed one show. Um we missed that night in Salt Lake, of course, and then We got all of our stuff in a U-Haul and a rental car, and we drove to Sacramento, and we caught the show in Sac um, the next, like, two days after. Looking back, um, I should have done some stuff. I think part of the reason I'm having back issues is, like, I didn't address the injury then, and then I just did a whole— We we proceeded to tour for, like, five weeks afterwards. Um, It was in, like, Tampa, Florida that I, I needed to get the Staples out. And uh I like said something on stage and a surgeon happened to be at the show and she like pulled them out in the parking lot, the staples. And... Whoa,
0: I love that. Like
1: cool community story. Oh, um, I love
0: that kind of stuff.
1: We were actually talking about bad omens or Noah, the singer, um, he called me when I was getting my head stapled, um, actually, and <laughs> and uh proceeded to donate a bunch to our GoFundMe. And a lot of people did, uh Spirit Box, a lot of a lot of bands, um, uh, really, you know, helped us a lot with that. And, uh, we're super grateful. Um, it did set us back pretty hard, like in a lot of ways for financially and stuff. We're, we're still kind of just like renting vehicles. Um, insurance did not help at all. Um, but, uh, we're, we're still renting vehicles and, uh, kind of figuring out stuff. We did buy a trailer however. And, uh, um, but Yeah, um, pretty, pretty crazy to like go in the wreckage of that van the next day and like look at it and uh, definitely, definitely very lucky. Um, The first responders and like sheriffs that helped us were all like extremely rude people. And I remember thinking, man, these people are like the meanest people I've ever met. And then it kind of occurred to me that on that stretch of Wyoming, I think they see like literally dead bodies like, oh yeah, like often. And I think that they are people that have like serious, like they've seen just the most fucked up stuff. And I think that these are people that have a lot of, um, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma. Um, uh, after the, it's funny. So after I get out of the hospital, this like taxi guy comes taxi being a, like a lifted truck with snow tires in Wyoming. Um, like a taxi comes to bring me back to this hotel that my bandmates were at. And, um, he was, I get in the truck and he's blasting bad omens. And he's like, have you heard of these guys? And I'm thinking that's so, I didn't tell him, but I'm like, like it is so funny. Like the singer literally just has reached out and just so kind and helped me out. And I, I said, so I like, yeah, I heard they're really great people, <laughs> you know? And uh, so this guy's like taking me back and, and the highway had so many accidents that night that we couldn't drive on the highway to get back to my band. So the dude was going through like cow pastures. It was the, it, it Crazy. was it was like an Indiana Jones theme park ride at Disneyland. I mean, just going up and down. And I'm like holding on for dear life because I just got in a wreck and I'm like, we're going to flip again. But this guy's like, he's like, he, you can tell like he's just born in that area and he's just laughing. Yeah. He's like, Oh yeah, look at that cow. Whoa. Almost hit a cow. He, he like, doesn't care. He's like doing his thing, going through these pastures. And meanwhile, he's like, besides blasting like metal music, he's also like telling so cool. me all this crazy stuff that he sees he's like oh the other day i was driving and i saw like a a family frozen in a car and he's just telling me this stuff and i'm just like oh my lord like this has to be one of the most dangerous places on earth and, and i do know that um um i believe it was 17 years to the day of, of our wreck on november 3rd was when bayside had a wreck on that same stretch and their drummer passed away
0: yeah beats um, yeah that was um yeah Yes. Yes. That w- I didn't know that that had that date connection,
1: you know, like I that, I, I think that knows the same says, stretch of road. I, someone yeah. said that, but I honestly I'm like sure it's
0: similar, but the, that stretch yeah. of road has gotten so, I mean, I, I also, I agree. I don't know what amount of crashes they're just having all the time there, but you know, all the bands have their stories of what happened to them there, whatever. And then the worst is the, the worst ones, you know, people dying, but um you Know, I've been in a van there, hurt uh, twice. One time I was driving, similar story to yours, but we didn't flip. Um, and another time where I was, yeah, just there laying on the bench, whatever. And we do the 360 on that same stretch of road, and you feel it go out of control, and somebody's driving, but the driver, you know, the driver's not in control, and you're just so you're just on this ride until you know it goes down in the median, doesn't flip that, you yeah. know. So I've had that happen. You know, basically twice. One time it didn't go in the media. One time it did, and you know, neither time flipped. But how else can you get from? It's the weirdest thing that that road is like that because I've been on a lot of times without crashes, and it's just it gets this film of ice, black ice, all the time. It came from November to April, and there's no other way to go. I mean, if you're going to Salt Lake, Denver, I mean, you can't. What can you do?
1: It's yeah. I've had a lot of people ask like, like why that road? Is it a lot of curves and turns? And I was like, no, it's, no, I think it's just, it's, it's yeah. It's climate, it's temperature. It's, it's, it's the condition and the way that that road freezes, um, that, that, you know, just wouldn't,
0: it's relatively flat, but it's empty. Like there's nothing. And it's, it's a really crazy part of the country. I mean, it really is. It is.
1: It's, it is. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, uh, the, uh, uh the, the our, our our guy who was doing merch and photo for us on that tour his name's dusty winters uh he got a tattoo after like he he his his main gig is i think uh, holding absence um and uh another just great phenomenal group of people band uh and uh he was um he he, he was like uh uh, got a tattoo that says like Wyoming and it has like a line through it <laughs> like and we kind of have this joke we're just like yeah you know screw Wyoming you know we hate Wyoming whatever um even though I've I've met a lot of lovely people from Wyoming but uh it's it's I think Wyoming will always have that 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 little thing that mean that thing yeah. to us in the lore but um as you know as far as far as it relates to antimatter, um that night that i was driving i was listening over and over to the demo for ant, what what would become antimatter and and i had already written the first part like the first 45 seconds of the song were already pretty much the same and i i'd give anything to be in over my head and so it's weird cuz pretty quickly after that it like hit me i was like whoa that's weird and throughout the whole process of making this record there was a lot of times when i'd write stuff and then it would happen and it kind of fed into this narrative well fed into this belief that I kind of have now, which is so different than I used to I used to be like a hardcore free will person in the theology terms. I would have been like open theist, I guess. So I just believe that anything's possible and nothing's happened yet. And it's kind of changed like i I kind of fall with like that Einstein sandbox theory of time where like I think everything's already happened. I, I mean as far as as far as I, I think that like we make choices and stuff, but I think the choices that we're yet to make. Have already happened on some other level. Like I, I think that like I think and I, I think there's a lot of dimensions to reality. And I, I think that they're stacked on top of each other. I mean, even quantum physics, people believe there's like probably 10 dimensions or something, and at least and, and we only experience a few dimensions, right? Um and uh this throughout this record, I just kept having things happen where I realized like the decisions that we make don't just echo forward they echo backwards and i think that, <laughs> I, I think that we are like of course it, it, like this is something that i don't think i'll we'll ever be able to prove in our lifetime i i if, if humans are around for maybe ten thousand more years and science gets to some crazy place where like science is converging with like philosophy and spirituality right. and they're just finding how the, everything they're finding where all the different disciplines connect <laughs> Um, possibly we'll be able to show that, uh, you know, but, but I I really do believe that the decisions we make are echoing back and echoing forward and they're happening simultaneously. And in, in, in our reality as we experience it, everything is linear. I understand that we, we, you know, we remember the past and we, we move forward, but I, I think that, um, I think that the reality of, of things is, is, uh, far more confusing than, than like the linear perspective that we have. Um, so the, A lot the, of this record made me really uh, wonder that. Do
0: you think that the choice, you know, people will have a difficulty there because it will sound like you're saying that there is no choice. It is illusion of choice. But even still, it's the um, maybe what you're saying is possible if – our choices that we experience making are in fact part of the whole perspective of time. Like that's one of the things that exist in time is our choices forward and backward, however you look at it. And we experience them as choices at least.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that I, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, we both, you know, both coming from different religious contexts that, that we um, have been around. Yeah, everyone's been through the whole, like, um, you know, the hardcore Calvinist is over there. And then, you know, the, the Armenian and then, like, the Molinist and, you know, the different views on, like, God and time and people and free will. And, like... I guess where I've come to is for a long time I was like hardcore on like the yeah everything's free and nothing's like determined or whatever and now I've kind of come to this weird like it's kind of both I guess and that that seems like that that sounds like a paradox or sounds not possible to us but I think it's because um despite all of our like technological advances and in language and society and stuff I think we're still like very primitive and I think I do believe there are beings, and I, I we can get into this too, and because the album's about um ultra-terrestrial beings, um, and encountering them. But I, I think there are beings that are not bound in so linear. Like I think that like the way that you see a dog where a dog is just like impulse, a dog is just like eat, 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 sleep, 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 play, 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 play. And you see a dog just kind of be constantly guided by their like impulses and and, you know you don't see dogs like looking in the mirror being like why am i here what's the meaning very often um you don't see that with dogs um i think that like the way that we see dogs in their consciousness i think there are other beings that would see our us in our consciousness and would be like wow we were so limited in 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 our perspective we just we're we 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 can only see so much and um um i I, and I think that a lot of, a lot of our binaries that we create, like, like, for instance, you know, is, is everything determined or is it free? Um, I think that we, it's a false binary. I think it's, per, I think it's like kind of both at the same time, but the, the complexity. So, um, our, our language can't even get at it, you know right. what I mean? Cause our language right. was created by people. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're so bound. Um, I, I do love that movie arrival, um, it was based on a short story by Ted Chiang called The Story of You but the, you know in, in that movie that um, spoiler alert um, mute, mute me for 15 seconds if you're listening to this and you want to watch Arrival with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner and not have it be spoiled uh, Dennis Villanueva or however you say his name French guy um that, that movie, I think, gets at something really interesting, which is, like, she decodes the alien language, and as she starts to learn the alien language, her experience of time completely changes, um, which is kind of that Wittgensteinian notion of, like, thought is bound within um, language, and, and that premise of, like, she finds a new language that's not made by people, and it, like, kind of removes the scales from her eyes of time, and she can see how, like linear spittin linearity is like an illusion you know like it's not to say that like she's not going to die someday cuz she's made of matter and entropy and and things die it, but but she does start to see through um she starts to see on both sides of things she's like having memories of the future if you will
0: yeah and so, in a way that the, a dog is limited and we're limited, some well the thing that we have the dog doesn't is in that way language. and so the fact that we have language enables us to do these complex patterns of thought, therefore having a different experience of yeah time and space. yeah like we and then so if you had an arrival to have another a language that's beyond ours, it would then give us the ability if you could internalize a higher level language, with more dimensions, yeah. let's say, then you would then be having new experiences of thought, experiences and types through types of thought through new language. That's that's fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so you like, think there's ultra yeah. dimension, ultra terrestrial. Yeah.
1: Because like extraterrestrial typically has, has meant um, like beings that are not, they're from a different earth. Um, like like from a different planet, I mean to say, uh like extraterrestrials, like, you know, Martians or or I think most people that believe in extraterrestrials probably they point at like the Zeta articulate what whatever, like solar system different solar system. And these are beings that have somehow been able to uh do ex do interplanetary travel, um, either being that they're immortal and they're able to just like live for, you know, tens of thousands of years while they travel, um, or uh, more commonly, believe that they've harnessed zero point energy, and and they've been able to um, create basically like wormholes or like um, uh, some type of like rift in matter, and they're able to like basically project it and go through it. Um, so that that's what a lot of extraterrestrial people believe, and I'm not discounting that possibility. Um, I but when I say ultra terrestrial, I mean beings that are that are dimensionally like higher basically beings um i i i think a lot about um how science fiction tells us about you know like we have these sci-fi stories of like little green martian dudes and saucers with like probes you know abducting people in kansas or something um and then we have like stories of like the bible and these beings coming down and, and whether it's like in genesis 6 and they're kind of like dark and evil, like the, um, the Nephilim, or you have, of course, just all the angel sightings throughout the the, the Bible and, and different religious traditions have these beings coming down and, and what, what usually happens is people fall in terror. Like people are like literally like freaked out, um, when, when they see these things, like they can't move. Um, and, uh, I, I believe that, um, uh, I, I believe that these, these beings, when we talk about aliens and when we talk about, like, angels and demons, whatever, I think that we're using different language from different traditions from different times for the same thing. And we've created these categories. kind of funny we're talking about categories again. We've created these categories, like mm-hmm. sci-fi, right. alien, and, like, Bible, right. God, you know, religion. And, and you know all these terms, by the way,
0: just because I have little kids. But yeah. they know all of those terms way before they know anything but yeah. yet the categories the containers well an alien extraterrestrial an angel yeah. like they're they know that when they're freaking three years old they've the concepts have come yeah and so now and, how do you fill in what they are and what it means and what's the same and what's different but you've already yeah you've already taken the concepts just before it before you know anything
1: or another big ones ghosts yeah that's um, what i'm
0: saying that yeah it's like what is all that but they take it the, the concepts first and then yeah. no experience, no knowledge, nothing yet. And then what happens religiously, what happens culturally, what happens through YouTube? Like to fill yeah. in these yeah. things and which ones are connected and which ones are not. And who's to even say what anybody even means when they're talking about uh whatever. I never heard terrestrial until today. Well yeah, and, and, and it so they probably did maps.
1: Ultra- yeah, terrestrial, as I understand it, of course, it's not um I I I just discovered it while I was working on this record, but the idea that um that the that beings that like could be right here in this room with me right now, um, potentially observing me, potentially even unaware of me or or completely, um,
0: or influencing you.
1: Yeah. Or, or yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like just here. Uh And they're able to, um, move between dimensions. So, so like when you take the footage that that's been released by the U S Navy of, uh, the, the UFOs, don't know if have you seen those, um, the, the the big one was like the Tic Tac, um, or one of the big ones. And uh you can see in a lot of these uh, a lot of these this footage, um, as well as in interviews with pilots, there's like I I, I could be wrong, but I, I think there's at this point like hundreds of ex like military personnel that are now like that have either on like off record or on record been talking about it was pretty common, you know, flying around this particular area that these things would happen. There's no explanation for them. We know they're not drones. We know they're not blimps. They're definitely not other jets, and they can just basically just move with impunity and do whatever they want. And um, uh, haven't shown, my understanding, haven't really shown that they're hostile. Um, but also like, like have definitely done stuff like they're following them or they're like testing them or they're observing them. And a lot of these crafts, people talk about them moving between air and water like seamlessly Mm -hmm. um and obviously that means that they cannot be physical matter in the way that we understand it um um, unless if i guess some of the ultra terrestrial crowd would say they they create like a force field around them that like sort of just um uh makes whatever is happening um that they're impervious to the changing like planes but i i believe that they're moving through dimensions I, i think that we're seeing things that are like Making themselves visible in our dimension, but but in essence they're like somewhere else entirely, um, kind of like a like a like a shadow or something. Um, if you were to watch a shadow move and through a cave like in a cave wall, and uh you're you're seeing like the reflection of the thing, Plato's um, cave. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I did get pretty Plato there once I started talking about shadows and caves, um, and. uh And it's it is kind of funny actually to think about Plato. Like Plato was talking about like the world of the forms, right? And was talking about like there's you know, when you look at a desk, we're seeing like the reflection of a desk, but in reality, there's like there there's an ideal world where everything exists in its fullness. And a lot of even that kind of came into a lot of Christian theology and like we
0: know there's no perfect circles, you can't find one. But the platonic yeah. circle, we all know what it is, but nobody's ever even ever seen one or made Ever one. seen
1: it, but, but we, we all yeah, know what We it believe is, it exists. We believe in, in it. Yeah. In the world, he called it, right. you know, the world of the forms, you know, religious people might say heaven. Uh, um, And I think that heaven, the world of the, whatever, like, I think a lot of times when you hear about that in religious and, and uh, philosophical contexts, like the world, like the forms, world of the forms, I think that they're they're talking about other dimensions that exist right now. Even even Jesus when you know when Jesus is inviting people uh to have eternal life, I think primarily evangelicals believe that he's talking to Nicodemus like, yeah, be you know, like Eternal life is something that happens when you die, like instead of dying and, and you know, like falling asleep forever or just blacking out or, or going to hell, you go to heaven, you, you know, you, 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 you your, your soul is saved or whatever. I think that the whole like kingdom of heaven and stuff that Jesus was talking about may very well have, be like almost like a dimension of reality that's happening all around us. Mm-hmm. But we we're blocked off to it. We, we don't see it, but it's happening here and there and now. And I think it's, well, it, it, to, to talk about dimensions, Um, you have like that, um that experiment they've done where they, they split things on like an atomic level and, and then they like can move it to like, they can move part of like a particle to Paris and have another right. one in New York and they move one and they move simultaneously. And that's what kind of led people to be, okay, so these things are linked in a way that it does not there there was no gap. There was no like latency. It's not like the internet right. where the there's information you know, like point zero 0. zero three milliseconds. Right. It just instantaneous moving. That was uh, basically
0: a teleportation of information at least. Yeah,
1: that that right. that these things we can move in our time space matrix that, that we experience, we can move them uh, and we can separate them, but these They're things still are linked.
0: Entangled, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're still they're they're entangled. Yeah, they're exactly the quantum entanglement thing. And so, um, the you know, science is great, and um, and, and the in in everything that we've been able to achieve. Uh, I mean, the re- the way that we're talking right now is science. You know, made it possible. Um, uh, but I, I think that a lot of people uh, have a almost hubristic understanding of science where they think like science's knowledge is like total or, or close. Right. Like, okay. Like we know 99% of reality now. And, yeah. and and just that extra 1%, you know, we're still working on. I yeah, think a little that futile, we know little like,
0: details to figure out to yeah. get it all done as if anything that's not scientific, therefore doesn't exist yet. It doesn't
1: exist. Like exactly. the, the bar For and
0: being included in science and not yet integrated to science. There's a lot. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and I think, I think that um, science is great again. And I, I'm so thankful for the advancements we've had. I'm sure one of us would be dead without it. Probably maybe both of us. Uh, but just because we've come this far doesn't mean that I think we still have a very primitive understanding of our reality and um, that there will absolutely be watershed. Dis- if, if humans still exist on this earth a couple hundred years from now, which who knows because of the way that things are going and our inability to get along. But um if humans were to still exist, hypothetically, I think we would have watershed discoveries about dimensions and energy and stuff that would completely just like, like people would have to wipe the table off and be like, okay, you know, we understand maybe fundamental laws of this dimension, of this world, of this solar system, whatever. But then we'd understand that we're, there's a whole, it's, it's it, it would be like, if you know you spent your whole life studying this glass and you understood this glass perfectly, then you found out well this glass is in a room with all these other things, and I know nothing about any of this. You know, I think that that would, I think that'll happen at some point um, if humans are still around. Um, we we may or may not be alive to see it, but um.
0: And so you I, think uh, Jesus have more. Was operating in more dimensions than yes, like yeah. just more than or on a higher level with more layers or vibration or inner, something yeah, he was de- accessing definitely. in real time, not, you know, in a way that we don't have access to. And the things he yeah. said were limiting, like maybe wealth limit us.
1: Yeah. From, I mean, I, in, from accessing or is or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say so. I mean, I, um, I know that I'm not, like, probably, like, if you go point for point, what like, what, like, orthodox Christian belief is um, or, or whatever, I probably don't fall in line with, like, every single point. Um, but as someone who – I still am very passionate about the teachings of Jesus. I think the teachings of Jesus, I've seen it just transform so many people, including myself. And um, while I'm not, like, super evangelical, like, I'm not, like, on stage being like, hey, like – you need to believe this or or else this or that um i i do i do believe that the a lot of the message of jesus was uh tr- i i transformative to to the world in, in a positive way i i know that a lot of people did what people do which is take a good thing and then make it a really bad thing um and, and that's obviously been done over and over again and we still see it happening in our politics today but the fundamental messages of Jesus, um, were so powerful. And I also believe way ahead of time. So like, especially with like regards to like how he saw like children and women, for instance, both, both beings that were definitely, um, I wouldn't even say second-class citizens, the people that weren't really citizens, you know, by, by our modern understanding in that society, I mean, children weren't, weren't really, were barely seen as humans, you know, they were like, um, uh, it's crazy how we've done a 180, and now children are kind of at the core of our society, which are, or ideally they should be. And I, I, um, but you know, like when he said, you know, let the children come unto me for you must become like one of these to enter the kingdom. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the most powerful messages ever that like you look at the wonder of a child yeah. and he said, like, if you want to know the kingdom, you got to do that, you know, and, uh, that, that. I think is one of the best things you could ever take away from the message. Um, and, uh, um, the, the way that their minds are, um, mm-hmm. still, I uh, just, just, I think n- that's not, so, yes, not so firm, not so sure, not so dogmatic, you know?
0: Yes. Uh, there's, I think the childlike thing is weird. Um, very weird in that like we, we value childlike, but we also um, – because I, I half agree with you and half disagree that we have children in the place they should be now um, because I, I still feel that they are not properly um, – recog- I still think that they don't have the um, dignity – I don't think they get enough uh, mm-hmm. understanding and are treated in ways. But in any, in any case, childlike is good. Childish is bad, and that's a yeah, fine right. line. And it's—I feel like yeah. it's used in the backwards way sometimes. As you know, I'm just saying our systems and our—I still don't think value children properly. Interesting, and how you know between what schools and systems and parents and yeah, you know they—they well, they have the least control and consent of any group of possible, and for reasons. Yeah, sure. but nonetheless we know that value in childlikeness is something very special and also a huge insult to call somebody childish. So childish, uh, I think yeah, there's something think when we very say childish. serious there. Yeah.
1: yeah, No, totally. I think the when Jesus people say childish, name. they're getting at something that is also true. Like fu- fundamentally, like obviously children, it's like the, the the beautiful thing is that they are not, they're like their imaginations are so open and wild. And then, the, diff, the, the, the difficult thing is their emotions are so um, dysregulated that, um, you know, obviously like, uh, yeah, kids can just have like one small thing go wrong and like they're literally screaming and crying for two hours, you know, and obviously that um, that that would be <laughs> it, it'd be scary to have a you know a, a 7 year old be be the president or something cuz they would just
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, on yeah, on, no, on right, a whim
1: right. just on a whim start a nuclear war or something you know not thinking about the implications and stuff but yeah it's um you know c- keeping your wonder keeping your sense of awe is um is is i think essential to having really a soul that's not dead <laughs>
0: yeah and <well, laughs> their vote yeah. is vulnerable yeah. to be so that way to, yeah but the soul seems alive more so yes yeah.
1: yeah and so yeah just a lot of the teachings of Jesus I think are like are are so beautiful and so relevant and I think you I think you get that sense when you talk to a lot of people um who who might not be like religious but like have like ever like read Matthew Mark, Luke or John, you know um, uh, will usually say like, oh, like those teachings are really good And they see I mean a lot of it's a lot of the the good in our society, like hospitals and and, and, and you know school, school education for all and stuff. Um, that that is fundamentally comes from people that I think had the correct convictions of of Jesus, you know and said like, hey, you know every val- every life has value, you know. Um, people have value and intrinsic value. Um, people can, can, are, you know, are worthy of love, can know love. And I'm not saying other traditions don't cover that, but I do think that the teachings of Jesus, um, um, in the Western world as, as specifically, um, has been uh, transformed beautifully by the teachings of Jesus. And then also very much dominated by people who use the label and then just sort of say, yeah, God wants me to do this, you know? And, uh, and we still see that like, even in 2024, we're coming up on, we're going to have another election where, you know, people running for president have to pretend like they're like Christians or something like you know, people still in Paul in American politics still have to do that. And I get that it's it's just probably a cynical polling thing. They're like, oh, you know, this you have to say this if if this percentage to to even qualify to get voted for right. by this percentage of the population, you have to say it, you know. Cause I think someone coming out and saying, like, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, you know, or something like it's like that's not gonna help them. That's not gonna get them votes. However many atheists think, oh, cool, they're like me. It, it, and I also I think know. that the <laughs> yeah. the atheistic mind is probably I think can is oftentimes probably less tribalistic than like the the uh the na- the Christian national mind, which is this extremely tribal experience of stuff but and that's a whole thing we could you know I'm sure you talk you've talked about this a million point one percent. Uh, on your podcast, you know, Bad Christian and stuff. Uh, so yeah, but we I don't, don't get
0: to do that. I don't do so much of that anymore. So it's nice to do, and especially if it relates to music. So this relates specifically to Antimatter, but also Collider. What else can you tell me about these lyrics and how this stuff yeah. is part, so, of,
1: part of those? The, the record is, you know, it's a concept record that, um, uh, relates to like a backstory of a, uh, of a, of a teenager going missing in 1996 in Humboldt County. Um, and the whole record is, uh, inspired by some possibly true, I I don't know. I'll, I'll let people decide, but, um, some stuff that I encountered when I was reading and researching about, um, UFO stuff, disappearances, government cover up all that, you know, fun stuff. Um, and is, based in it happens in uh northern california which is um where i grew up where i was raised um it's uh uh it's known as like the most paranormal place in in the united states uh which is to say like the most sightings and the most um uh kind of like legends and stories like like for bigfoot for instance a lot of the bigfoot stuff came from either uh you know shasta county or uh humboldt county or um i'm trying to remember the other one but like up up there um this you know this land was obviously populated by native tribes for a really long time before the gold rush and the settlers came and took the land and and the tribes had a lot of legends and stories that they told um of uh different different beings giants is a big one um um anunnaki which we put out a song called anunnaki um yeah beings that just kind of fall outside of the uh our understanding and and we see evidence of it i mean they've found skeletons across north america that are like seven eight feet tall like there's been a lot of skeletons found in north america that um um some of them have gone missing and it's kind of a weird thing but um, we know that there was like a race of giants uh, probably had red hair uh, that existed on this continent before, you know, Europeans had colonized it. Um, so just a lot of it's just kind of about a lot of the, the story takes place and this person basically has an encounter with a with a with a biologic um, with a with a bacteria, I guess you would say um, that sort of um, opens their mind up to perceiving other dimensions um as if uh um I think like the age-old question is like can we on this earth in this lifetime with these bodies you know perceive all this fantastic paranormal stuff and um I do believe I, I guess uh, in, in this album it's it's about somebody basically starting to experience Uh, different dimensions and timelines and essentially time time traveling, but not with like a device or whatever, but more so within their mind. Um, So, um, and yeah, so, so the, the whole records about that story Um, and it's called super bloom because that's the, uh, well, super bloom is something that happens in California, but it's also uh, the way that this person describes their experience of, of their minds sort of, of, of becoming something else. Like you're still a human, but when, but also uh, maybe something else as well now. Um, and, And that process being the super bloom.
0: So the person that disappeared in Humboldt County, what happened? I mean, what, tell me a little bit. How does that relate? They,
1: yeah. So the, 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 story of super blooms told from their perspective. Okay. Is the, um,
0: that the concept is from the person's perspective that disappeared. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I uh, it's 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 told from their perspective, and uh, I in, in the coming months, what um, we kind I kind of wanted the album to like come out and you know speak for itself and stuff, but um, people who want to find more information and uh some like journal entries written by this person uh will be able to find that and uh kind of dig a little bit deeper into the story
0: it seems like you want people to find the story and make what that you know it seems like that that's
1: yeah oh uh, yeah definitely There
0: must be stuff to find and discover and think about there
1: yeah definitely yeah i think um you, you know, I, I think they're obviously, the way that music's consumed these days, um, it's so fundamentally different than, you know, how it was when you put out the question or something where, you know, you used to like, you, you'd have to buy a CD or like, you know, I mean, around 2005, you could start like downloading stuff and buying buying albums on iTunes. But now with music, just like you can just stream it, you can stream anything right now, um, which is really cool as far as like just opening us up to the different possibilities of music. And I think creatively that's, it's been a good thing, but I also think the difference is, um, you know, a lot of people will just kind of cat, you know, Oh, Hey, like this metal band silent planet has a record. I like breakdowns and screaming, you know, put it on, check it out, listen to it once or twice. And, but, um, I, I also know that there's, um, uh, we've, we've, we, we, uh, I think like a lot of bands that have existed for a decade plus and been touring and stuff have, have a, you know, a, a, a smaller, more tight, tight knit community of listeners. And, um, the, that tight knit community of listeners is, uh, going to be able to, um, is going to be able to, uh, dig in and, uh, have, um, you know, get get more context, get right. more of a backstory for, the, for right. this record, and I'm really excited about that. So
0: that's what, I mean, that connects to what we said at the beginning more in that their amount of layers on which you can interact with on a band that's been around, has a history, has fans that are deeply connected enough that they'll not only care about more than just a single but multiple songs, that they'll pay attention to the lyrics, that they'll learn the lyrics, that they'll be curious about where the lyrics came from and the experiences the lead singer had that tie that together. And then this other layer of, you know, culture from uh, ultra-terrestrial to this story. You know, the, the amount of ways you can slice and get meaning and participate out of the art form that you're in, you're tapping into it on you know, all these levels, which just give people in a, a a way to make their own context and, and get what they want from it. And it seems like you kind of have awareness that all those things are happening. So that's pretty cool compared to somebody who... Makes some sounds, gets blessed by the algorithm. Yeah, there's nothing else there other than uh, the the beat comes across. The person nods their head and hits a heart. That's the yeah. shallowest possible. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no note not attached to anything, so, which isn't bad because man, a good beat that makes you bob your head and you get get that. Like I like that too. But there's a lot. Um, obviously a lot here and a lot of stuff and the other thing school about music is how much of it is nonverbal. So I know you're communicating in the stylistic choices and selections and textures are also part of the communication, which is very cool.
1: Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for people to dig in. Uh, some of our earlier work, we would have footnotes in the lyrics so people could like, uh, you know, see what the sources were and stuff. And, uh, this record, um, uh, you know, o- over time people are going to get uh just more of a narrative experience. Uh, It'll be less like, Oh, you know, I'm referencing this book or whatever, but more of a narrative experience where there will be kind of sources embedded in that. But yeah.
0: Awesome. And you, the producer that you used on it is Daniel, Daniel Brownstein. Yes. And so um, Adam mentioned that to me, but that seems like important or a good part of the experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. He, um, D- Daniel was like the first, uh, he, he was like the first, we we've had producers in the past, but, but we would mostly kind of like write it all ahead of time or whatever. And then like producers would definitely have a role in it. And, uh, we, um, we, we did a couple records with Will Putney in the past and and Will's awesome. Um, I think with Dan, so first of all, I, I I first worked with Dan in 2011, uh, shortly after he released a record for a band called volumes called via. That was pretty kind of a trendsetter for metal uh, music, I'd say. Um, and he was, uh, uh, um, so Dan's known us for a really long time and he's just kind of has a pretty good understanding of our band and, and the, the, the way that we go about, um, the way that we go about creating and, uh, this record was just like, it was the first that like a lot of the record was written in the studio. Like Mitch has his like guitar and his like laptop interface and like his like thing that creates all the sounds and like all these, like these like synth things. And then Dan was at his computer and they basically had like two rigs and they were just sending information back and forth. And um, it really, I, I think Dan just, it, it was the perfect time when when like a producer knew he, Dan knew exactly like where to like, let us kind of do our weird thing and then where to like rein it in. And Dan was also so good at just identifying, like this is like the thing that works the best and finding ways to build the song around that. And so I, I think that these songs are a bit more like cohesive and like to the point than anything we've done before. Um, And a lot of times I think when bands write songs like that, they kind of maybe uh, have walked away from like the more heavy chaotic metal factor, but we were able to, if anything, push more into like, I'd say it's definitely like tonally, like, and even tuning wise, like the heaviest thing we've ever written. It's very like, um, there's, there's some parts that almost like get into like death metal a little bit even. Um, but at the same time, there's also all the singing and, and Dan challenged me to just, Dan's like, Hey, like you're the singer, you know, it's time for you to like, just sing, and, and especially with our bassist leaving who used to do a lot of the, the, uh, the singing, the, like not screaming singing just, uh, and so to, um, I had a lot of fun doing both kind of uh, singing and screaming and, uh, um, just kind of learning, learning how to embrace my voice. Um, cause I, I'm not. I you know, I, I'm not gonna be on American Idol. I, I'm not someone who has like uh I, I manage a band called Dayseeker and like their singer Rory has an out of this world voice, like just truly one in a million singer. And uh he uh I you know, I've talked a lot about this with Rory even. I'm like, I can't do what you do, and and, and he really encouraged me and was like told me that like my voice is unique. And told me that like, that's a lot of the battle. It's just like having a voice that like people haven't heard a million times. And so learning how to embrace the fact I'm like, I'm not a very good singer, but I'm not trying to sing like crazy high stuff. I'm not doing like R&B vocal runs or anything. I'm just kind of like using my voice as a tool and it's uh, it's kind of like Brock Purdy on the San Francisco 49ers. You know, they got that quarterback who's doing great for them because he just kind of plays within himself. So no, I think within, yeah, within that's, that's
0: true, but it's more than that. The, the, the Their vocalization is something that anybody can do authentic to themselves as a form of expression. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, its yeah, own totally. thing to do. You know, Tom Petty wasn't going to be on American Idol either.
1: Yeah. But how could yeah, it be Bob better Newell, than yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, but you know what I mean. It's like lots yeah. of people. So, but the per, the yeah. the um, willingness to do to u- use your vocalization to be expressive, that's yeah. that in itself is the is the powerful thing. I think.
1: Yeah. No. The I, willingness. Yeah, I think so right. I'm
0: glad he challenged you to do it because I mean, you know,
1: it's cool. Yeah. No. I it was it was it was. I mean, dude, we we did a song called Collider that's already out. that was one of the first times in my life I've ever even tried to belt notes. Cause like my whole life I'd always like was interested in screaming. Uh So anytime I was like belting, I was like screaming, I was adding like distortion to it in my throat and to, um, to, to start singing just clean was like, 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 like belting, but like holding a note and not relying on like, not writing like the distortion, not writing that, but just like letting it rip, um, loudly, you know, uh, was, was, that was like one of my first times I ever did that. Nice. And, uh, I mean, I, 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 I did takes of that recourse for like three hours until we kind of found it. Cause I was literally like making improvements while I was in the studio. Cause it was nice. so new to me that nice. like, anytime you pick up something new, you make improvements in the first couple hours. And that's so that's how learning like,
0: works. Yeah. As soon as it becomes just, in your awareness, then yeah. you get in the reps, all of a sudden each one improves. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and since then, um, uh, my vocal teacher, Melissa Cross, has um, really helped me even better solidify, like, hey, try to do this, try to conceptualize this. And and Melissa's got me to, uh, also just singing more confidently, which has been fun. So, yeah,
0: that's great. Well, I mean, I think it's great music. I just love the convergence of all the things like the time, the years, the fan base surviving the van accident is obviously an important step. Um, but to be able to do it, add more, th- you know, be growing as a writer, performer, you know, recording art, whatever, grow, pushing yourself to grow and do new things, you know, d- deeper level stuff. I mean, I appreciate it. It's really cool to, to see the journey. And you got you. It seems like you have a really good unity in the band if i mean maybe that's not true but it seems like you probably have a good footing relationally there that oh yeah i mean you for a, a big future you know you got plenty of oh totally plenty we, more to do you um, getting on the playlist everything so
1: yeah no we uh i mean our, our guitar player and drummer who are like primarily the guys that figure out our musical direction they, they live together um across town and i i i you know uh go over to, we we're gonna hang out tonight we hung out last night we're we're definitely like we're best friends it's one of those things where it's funny because we're very different people so and it's the kind of thing like we probably wouldn't be best friends if we didn't have the band that brought us together but because of the band we are like just um yeah we're it's it's cool we we have a really cool working relationship and that's great it's it's gone past working relationship and into just like we talk about, you know, everything, you know, if someone's going through like a breakup or through a difficult time, we just talk about it. And uh it's uh it's really the only way that I guess we'd still be doing touring like all this much when we're like, you know, when you're a mid-level band sleeping, sleeping in a van in a truck stop every night, you gotta kinda love the people you're around. Cause unless if I think you're a certain level of popularity um that could like get you on different buses or something, like 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 Oasis or something where those brothers hate each other, yeah. you know. Um, that that's it's not possible uh, to have that at the lower levels.
0: Yeah. Well, excellent stuff. Uh, like the music, and may the algorithm continue to bless. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and may the algorithm be with you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, right, right. No, I, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's really good to be on this, and I appreciate you taking time to chat about the new record and everything, and uh, hopefully we get to play another show together sometime.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we will. But yeah, I always appreciate it. I love seeing people continue, succeed, how it's going. Everybody's got these different journeys, and that's, it's, I love it. I love to hear about yeah. them and get the perspective. So thank
1: you, Garrett. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you. you. <laughs>